0: Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place. Like Texas, you've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and today's episode is going to be a good one. We're going to give you a little bit of a perspective from a day traders point of view got an email from a guy he's going to be called King Louie King Louie writes hey Ryan I know your podcast is about swing trading but I have a day trading story to share here Longtime listener and a past trading block subscriber I learned a lot from you you can call me King Louie that was my name on the trading block and I do remember this guy he has quite the unique name he writes you tout in every podcast about risk management and let me tell you it works if you want to survive in the markets, risk management is the key. I do both swing trade and day trade. I have been doing well, and staying focused is just as important as risk management. I'm Ryan to tell you a personal story of what happened to me in the market. Since I was doing well day trading spy, I took a shot at SPX, and let me tell you, my emotions trading this thing went through the roof. I got so caught up in this trade, I never set a stop loss. I was up on the trade one second, down the next. Receive received a phone call from my son's school, and I walked away from the screen. Bad move. I came away a few minutes later only to see my trade down over 60%. Had I set a stop loss, I would have been down 15 to 20% max. I was just dumbfounded by this that I just froze and saw the account go lower and lower. I just thought to myself, how could I let this happen? Why did I let this happen? I thought the days of me not setting stop losses were long behind me, but emotion took over and got the best of me thought of just exiting the trade didn't even cross my mind at that moment. I broke a lot of rules in this trade and got punished almost right away. Traded it against the trend, didn't set a stop loss, over leveraged, didn't exit the trade after seeing the loss. Yes, I was upset about this, but it's a learning experience as well. I couldn't believe that the one trade I didn't set a stop loss on was the one that was going to be a huge loser. Lesson learned again. And maybe I'll stay away from SPX and continue trading SPY instead, which I have had great success with. I have a lot of ground to cover, but I'm a little wiser now. To the listeners who want to day trade, if this email makes it into one of your podcasts, which it did. Day trading is definitely not easy. You need a lot of focus, discipline, risk management, and you need to be quick. It took me years to finally start having success day trading. If you're a beginner, swing trading is the way to go. I still swing trade and to me, it's fun. Day trading feels more like a job because if there is no setup, you have to wait and wait until you finally get one, if it ever comes to fruition. And it is a lot more stressful to day trade than to swing trade. Thank you for your time. Your podcast is absolutely my favorite. Regards, King Louis. All right, quite the story there with trading SPX and a big loser there. We're going to unpack this entire email. But first, what am I drinking? I am drinking me some John J. Bowman single barrel bourbon whiskey. Retail's I don't know. You can find it anywhere between like fifty five to seventy dollars usually. And I got this one from a friend. He let me borrow a little bit of it so I could use it for this podcast here because I haven't bought it for myself yet. So it's a hundred proof, that makes it fifty percent alcohol. Overall, the color it's it's got like this gold, honeyish looking color to it. Smell wise, picking up like some strawberries. I mean that's that's kind of a different take on a bourbon in terms of smell. You, you even get some tobacco. And then on the taste, it's like licorice, oak. But I think the taste is honestly a little bit on the bland side. A lot of people say this stuff is like amazing. And that was kind of why I was interested in trying this one so much. I'm not a huge fan of licorice. I also think that licorice flavor is a little bit bland and not the best flavor in the world. So that might be skewing my rating on this one. Finish, okay. It's got a little bit of heat. I wouldn't call it anything to write home to mama about. And I've read, too, where some people say, oh, this is like a, in between like an E.H. Taylor and a Buffalo Trace. I don't know if I'd even put it above Buffalo Trace. I gave Buffalo Trace an 8.1 the last time that I reviewed it. This one, I'm going to give a 7.9. I, I think a lot of people are going to be in disagreement with me on that. But I'm just not a huge friend of the John J. Bowman bourbon. It's It's okay. It's somewhat above average, but nothing that's amazing. So John J. Bowman 7.9 single barrel bourbon whiskey. All right, so back to King Louis's email here. So there wasn't necessarily a question that was being asked here, but there was a lot to unpack in terms of his approach to trading, some of the things that he did wrong, and I think it's worth dissecting all of that. And one of the things that he says, I mentioned risk management on every one of my podcasts. Now, it seems redundant that I would do that, but it's important. It's important to me to bring up risk management in all my podcasts because in every trade we should be using risk management. And if it's something that you have to do on every trade to be able to keep you in the game, then it's probably something that I should mention in every one of these podcasts because if you're not doing it, you're playing a very high risk game here in which one trade is all it takes to completely wipe you out. Now he says, doing well and staying focused is just as important as risk management. <clears throat> I struggle with that one a little bit just because of the fact that, I mean, I think, don't get me wrong, doing well is important and as well as staying focused is important too. But that's kind of like saying being profitable is more important than risk management. Well, you can't really be profitable unless you're practicing a good amount of risk management, at least consistently profitable. Yes, you can do a lotto play and get lucky on it and be profitable there. But ultimately, what are you going to do if you get a lucky trade where you exhibited zero discipline, or risk management. And you're going to try to repeat it again. I know this one guy, he was telling me about how he made $40,000 on Dogecoin. He's very proud of it, right? He got in at the early stages of it. He put a whole bunch of money on it and he made 40 grand. And I've probably been told this you know, a few times since I've known this person. Now, here's the thing. I never heard what else he did with that money. And I had to ask myself, did a person who just made $40,000 trading Dogecoin say, Hey, I just made $40,000 trading Dogecoin. I don't think I'm ever going to do that again. I think I'm going to just walk away from it and never trade any more crypto. I got lucky that I'm fine with that. I'm walking away. I highly doubt it. It's not human nature to think that. What probably happens is like, hey, I just made $40,000 trading Dogecoin. I need to find me another one of these kinds of coins. Hey, what about Litecoin or Ethereum or Bitcoin? Hey, let's try these out now. Let's try to make some money trading those coins. And they will use the same kind of discipline that they used before because that's what worked for them before. But what they're doing is not consistently able to work. It might work for you one time here or one time there, but if you're going to make a career out of it, can you completely disregard risk? No. So I find the whole story curious because the guy tells me he makes $40,000 trading crypto or Dogecoin to be specific, but he never tells me what he does with the money afterwards. Did he put it in a CD? Did he put it in a treasury bill? Probably not. So I'm kind of curious whatever happened. I I haven't had the guts to ask him yet because I don't really want to pop his balloon, but it's probably going to have to be asked at some point because it's driving me nuts. But just knowing how most people react after a winning trade, a big winning trade at that, they're going to try to do it again. And that's usually when they lose all that money. So my guess, especially with as crazy as cryptos have been, a person who made $40,000 on a big trade in crypto probably lost it all in the next trade or multiple trades thereafter. And so going back to King Louis here where it talks about doing well, which is, i.e. kind of means like being profitable is more important than risk management. Well, I don't think you can get to where you're doing consistently well without doing risk management. Therefore, I think risk management is more important than doing well because risk management is what ultimately leads to doing well. Maybe I'm splitting hairs here, but that's what I'm going to go with here. And then he talks about staying focused. And I probably don't talk a lot about staying focused. In some ways, I talk about not being focused on my podcast at times. It doesn't mean that when you got to be focused, you should be focused. But I also talk about at times that swing training can be boring. And if that's all you're doing, then it doesn't hurt to have like some side hustles or just projects. One thing I like to do is uh, take some breaks at times and go play the piano. I've played the piano since I was in first grade, had a couple of Old ladies teach me growing up through the years. I think they were well into their 80s. One of them died like the the same night that I had a piano lesson from her. I'm not laughing about it. (laughs) Well, okay. You know what? I guess it sounds like I'm laughing about it, but I'm not trying to laugh about it. But the point is, the point is, I play the piano sometimes. You know, I'll go downstairs. I'll play a couple of songs come back up, get back to work. If I know it's a slow day or something, right? And I know there's not likely to be a trade to take place. I'll do that. You know, I'll go grab a sandwich and play a couple songs or two. But if you're going to be a day trader and you're going to trade, you know, 9.30 when the market opens Eastern time till 4 p.m. when the market closes Eastern time and you're going to be focused, man, that takes a lot, a lot of discipline and work. I mean, it, that that's hard to do. I can't do that. And I also think, too, for a lot of day traders, instead of just trading for six and a half hours of, just being laser-focused on the markets, they usually trade different time periods. So that a lot of them will trade like 9.30 when the market opens until 11 a.m., so the first hour and a half, and then they'll trade from 2 p.m. until 4 p.m., and then they'll do something in the middle, maybe take a Wall Street lunch that lasts three hours. <laughs> but that's usually the way a lot of people will do it right there. They will just trade the more volatile times. Why do they choose the first hour and a half in the last two hours? Because that's usually when you get the most volume and you get the biggest moves out of the market. You figure like the first... Hour and a half, that especially that first 30 minutes, that's probably some of the biggest moves of the day. So a lot of your day traders are playing it. That's why you also you have a lot of volatility in the market because there's so many people trying to capitalize on that first 30 minutes. For me personally, I don't want anything to do with the first 30 minutes. I think it's one of the most misleading moments all day long in the market is that first 30 minutes. So for me, I've avoided a lot of bad trades. I would say hundreds, maybe even over a thousand bad trades by not trading in the first 30 minutes. And the reason why is because you might get a gap up and it just fades the rest of the day or you get a a gap down and you think, oh, I got to short this market as soon as it opens and all of a sudden it rallies the rest of the day. We saw that with the last CPI report. CPI report came in horrible. The market sold off and everybody's saying, oh crap, this is another three or 4% down day. And what happened? Market rallied right back the rest of the day, finished green. But no, I think it's staying focused is important at the times that you need to be very focused on the market. When you're making your trades, when you're going through your technical analysis, yes, you need to be focused on the charts at hand, on the setups at hand. But I still think overall, the absolute most important part of trading is risk management. One of the parts for staying focused for me as a trader that has really paid off for me over the years is coaching myself throughout the day. I know that sounds kind of weird. It's like, what do you mean by coaching yourself? Like, uh, Are you giving yourself a pep talk? No, I'm usually asking myself questions like, okay, Ryan, are you getting in this because you're trying to FOMO yourself into a new trade? Is this going to be a revenge trade because you just lost on the previous trade? Is this a trade setup that you're comfortable with? I'm audibly asking myself these questions. Are you comfortable with stop loss placement on this one? Are you really going to take a 6.5% stop loss on this trade when you only think that it might pull off 10%, less than 2 to 1? And I have to talk myself through a lot of different trade setups. I'll be like, you know what? I like the cues on this particular chart, but man, it's got that resistance level right ahead. Like Ryan, you can't make that trade with that resistance level sitting right overhead. I mean, it's bounced off of it four or five times, What makes you think it's going to break through it this time. And so I have to ask myself those questions and almost like I'm holding myself accountable per se. I'm asking the tough questions that maybe a lot of times as traders, we don't want to ask ourselves, but it keeps me out of a lot of bad trades in doing so. So when you're trading, don't be afraid to ask yourself tough questions and answer them honestly. Yeah. You know what? I am trying to FOMO into this. I know it's kind of weird because it sounds like you're just talking to yourself, but you are, but you're trying to talk yourself into good trades, not getting into bad trades or trades that you're chasing after. And so you're asking yourself these pertinent questions. And if you're being honest with yourself, you can say, yeah, I'm getting into this trade because I'm, I'm afraid that it's going to rally the rest of the day without me. And how many times does that really happen? And if it does, there's always going to be another day, another opportunity Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, moving along because I'm kind of getting behind on this particular email here. He talked about how he started trading SPX and that he was down 60%. I'm guessing that he was trading like options or something. He didn't place a stop loss. He got distracted by having to deal with something pertaining to his son and his son's schooling. His emotions went through the roof. But here's the thing. You can't let yourself get so caught up in the trade that you become undisciplined. The moment where you don't want to set a stop loss is the time that, you know what? Maybe it's a good time to move on from the trade because oftentimes our reason for not wanting to set a stop loss is because we're too prideful or too emotional. Pride is an emotion, and it can stop us from making the right decision as it pertains to trading and lead to some big losses. Why do most people not like to take losses? Because they're prideful. They don't want to admit that they had a losing trade. When you could get to the point in life where... A losing trade kind of feels like the same thing as a winning trade in many ways where you just don't get excited about either. You're doing a good job in trading. It probably means that you're trading in the right position size. You're allocating the right amount of capital. You're not getting too many positions going at once in your portfolio. But when you feel like I can't set a stop loss, I'm down too much, this stock is a guaranteed winner. Those are probably the times where, you know what, I need to go ahead and move on from this trade. I'm not thinking clearly. I'm doing things that are going to sabotage my account and cause me to have to make up for this loss for, for many years down the road. As traders, we can't let our trades go down 60%, 15%, even 20%. I mean, yes, I know there's trading strategies out there from a swing trading standpoint that do allow you to do that. But in general, and I'm speaking in general terms here, and I'm tr- speaking from my own personal experience, if I start letting stocks go down 40 and 50%, and that was very easy to have happen over the past year, the way that the market's been acting, I will never last in this business, I will always be trying to dig myself out of a hole. Some of the stocks that I was the most excited about, some of the ones that I was the most optimistic about always seemed to be the ones that stopped me out. And it was frustrating when it would happen. It was like, man, what the heck happened? I mean, this was a textbook basing pattern, breakout pattern, bull flag pattern, whatever. But it didn't work. It went completely opposite on me. And it's usually always the trades that I'm the most optimistic about. And the biggest winners are usually the ones that I almost don't want to take. And it's for that very reason how the emotions can be really misleading and misguiding and what our gut tells us. I hate it when people say they trade with their gut because the gut's usually wrong. Risk management is there for us because we're usually wrong. We do things that are going to sabotage. So we have to be disciplined enough to use risk management to protect ourselves from ourselves. And this one comment he makes, he says, I couldn't believe that the one trade I didn't set a stop loss on was the one that was going to be a huge loser. That's usually how it works. The one that you don't think that could ever ruin you ruins you. I remember talking to this one guy. He was playing Meta Earnings a long time ago. This was probably like 2018. He was like, "There's no way that this thing could possibly go down all that much. Maybe three or four percent downside risk. But this thing's gonna probably blow up 20 or 30 percent to the upside." And what did it do? I think it like dropped over 20 percent. Took a huge loss, all because he wasn't practicing risk management. In this case, he was holding a stock through earnings as a swing trade. And I'll say this about day trading: King Louis, he's doing good at it, and I hope he continues to do well at it. I think you can do well at day trading. I think it's very, very difficult to do day trading. There's so much that has to work in your favor over the course of the day. You've got to get into stocks that are going to make some good runs for you during regular trading hours. Swing trading takes advantage of the regular trading hours and the overnight price action and the indices that lead to gaps higher or lower in the markets the next day. And so I've always felt like swing trading takes advantage of both worlds. It takes advantage of the benefits of long-term investing. It also takes advantage of the benefits of short term day trading and combines them the two of a trading strategy that can last from a few days to a few months. And there's a lot of ability to create a strategy that works for you, for your lifestyle and everything else. Day trading, like I said, is very difficult. And most people who try it will not succeed at it. And again, I'm not trying to throw cold water on King Louis. I like King Louis. I like this email. I think he's learned a lot. I think he's going to do good at all of this. But in general, Become a good swing trader before you start to think about being a good day trader. Now, one of the things that I believe that can assist people in becoming a better swing trader is by signing up for swingtradingthestockmarket.com. That's going to support this podcast, and in the process, you're going to get all my stock market research. You may agree with some things, but not the rest, or you might like this trade idea, but not that idea. But what I'm trying to provide you is a whole slew of ideas and research and opinions on how I see where the market's going, big tech, different watch lists really a cool feature that goes along well with this podcast so check that out swing trading the stock and make sure to leave me a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to me on and keep sending me your emails ryan at shareplanner.com. king Louie helped me out here and gave me a really good email today but make sure you're sending me yours and i'll try to put them on this podcast thank you guys and god bless